Wow, it's been a good morning, lots of information. Isn't it great to be part of a busy church? Busy about the kingdom work. God is doing great things in our community groups. I hope you're uh, still looking at being a part. We're going to have to re-emphasize that in a little bit. We're, Kathy is starting to uh, get us heading towards the direction of the new quarter's emphasis. So if you've not been a part of a group, you can join one at any time. But for many of you, you feel like it's, you know, if there's a feels like a new starting point, that's a good thing for you. So good things going on. Well, we want to get on with God's word this morning. I want to thank you for being here. If you're new with us today, we're in a series that we've been in for, this is the ninth week now, uh, of one to the power of one. And we've been through it. Um, the first eight weeks were about becoming disciples. The, the whole series comes together as becoming disciples who make disciples. That each one of us, to the power of one, the one, can each one of us disciple one. And, and the, the trick is, once we disciple one, we realize that we are actually able to disciple as many as God will allow us to have in our influence. And, and, and so those eight weeks of becoming, and I'm going to go through these for a reason, um, were pursuit of holiness, private worship, public worship, observing the sacraments, witnessing, discipling other believers. And so that's precursor before we're making other disciples out of those that aren't believers yet. Stewardship and church membership. And so we've ended this. We've ended section one and we're starting section two with with session nine is the first one of section two, where we're now moving towards making disciples. And a question that I asked on the on, on some of the other messages is one that can apply to all of those. If those that I influence in relationship to Christ, in relationship to the church, if those that I influence learn those first eight things of discipleship from me, what shape will they be in? What shape will their relationship be in? What shape will the church be in? If someone learns from me how to pursue holiness, how will their pursuit be? If someone learns from me how to experience private worship, a daily life of worship in the presence of God, if they learn that from me, how rich will that be for them? If they learn about public worship from me, how will their perspective on that be? Will they learn to be critical or will they learn to be selfless in that coming together that, that public worship is? If they learn about observing the sacraments, the, the, the reverence, but also the meaning and the significance. If they learn that for me, what will those mean to them? Will they be dry ritual or will they be a source of life and, and reminding and remembering? If they learn how to witness, which that was a personal witness of what God's doing in my own life. If, it, it, will they be seeing what God's doing in their own life? Discipling other believers, stewardship, what shape would the church be in if everyone under your influence learned to be a steward of your whole life, which encompasses time, talent, treasure and thoughts. So if the people you influence are learning that from you, how will their stewardship be? And, and then church membership. So those, that question goes on through all of it. So so now that we're, wanting to, we're looking at making disciples, that's an important foundation for us. To have had. So as we move on, I want you to grab your note sheet, if you would. Matt turns your attention to it in the bulletin. And on the back side is supplemental information that our care groups will be going through. And uh, and you can take that and go through it at home as well to go deeper in God's word about the subject. Excuse me. And so use that as a tool. Write down notes, write down questions. 
We have a few scriptures to go through today, but you'll see that we are in making disciples. And today we're going to cast the vision of what we're going to be looking at, what we're going to be walking through in making disciples. So we'll be looking at kind of a big picture and hopefully get some motivation from the Lord. Now, this picture looks kind of goofy. Got people in pumps and ties and sport coats and loafers on this on the racetrack. But I picked that picture because we've been having a track theme, an athletic theme, mostly around track and field through this whole series. And and this is a picture to capture your coworkers at the starting line. Getting into the race, your coworkers, your fellow students, your your bingo party, you know, party, you know, whatever, wherever you are. This is this is mainstream America, the, the people that are, are busy and in business and in the world that are getting on the starting line and starting a walk with the Lord. Unfortunately, in America, we're seeing a lot of this. A lot of empty starting blocks. Spaces for people. God has, there's a song, there's room at the cross for you. There's always room for one more at the cross. And so each one that doesn't come, there's a void and an ache in God's heart for them. We could equate that to if we started counting how many seats don't have somebody in them in here today. How many empty starting blocks do we have sitting right here that God wants somebody here learning and growing and starting and and nurturing and growing in a relationship with God? we got lots of starting blocks right here. And there's a lot of empty starting blocks like this in the American church today. But not just on Sunday, but there's there's ministries that we're lacking that we could be doing to our community that people like your fellow businessmen, your fellow workers, your neighbors, that they bring gifts and abilities that we don't have and, and, and manpower to help us do ministries that we're not able to do yet. And, and so we are, there's a hole and a void in the church as, as people that God created with a purpose, are missing His purpose and not connected to the body of Christ. But even if we take it away from us altogether... Those empty starting blocks represent empty mansions in heaven. Now you can get all this discussion of God knows past, present, and future, so is He really building for someone who's not going to make it? God is building and calling all men to Himself. And, and, And your co-workers that aren't in those starting blocks yet, they're going to leave a vacancy in heaven if they don't come to know the Lord. And, and your fellow students and family members. If they're not in those starting blocks, they're not in a relationship with the Lord. What does that mean for them? That alone is enough. Well, to be thinking about how do we, how do we get people in the starting blocks? And how do we really, even me? You know, we asked that question at the very start of the series. Who, me? Who am I to make a disciple? Well, we've been looking at getting in that journey. But it starts with a passion that you share with someone else. And as they struggle, there's encouragement until there's success. Forrest Gump had a buddy, Bubba. And Bubba had a passion. And Bubba passed it on to Forrest. And Forrest had some struggles, but then he had a harvest. Let's watch. I didn't know who I might meet or what they might ask. You ever been on a real shrimp boat? 
snow. But I've been on a real big boat. I'm talking about a shrimp catching boat. I've been working on shrimp boats all my life. I started out on my uncle's boat. That's my mama's brother. When I was about maybe nine, I was just looking into buying a boat of my own and got drafted. My given name is Benjamin Buford Blue. People call me Bubba. My name's Forrest Gump. People call me Forrest Gump. I know everything there is to know about the shrimping business. Matter of fact, I'm going into the shrimping business for myself after I get out the army. Do is you just drag nets along the bus. On a good day, you can catch over 100 pounds of shrimp. Shrimp is the fruit of the sea. You can barbecue it, boil it, broil it, bake it, saute it. There's um, shrimp kebabs, shrimp creole, shrimp gumbo, pan fried, deep fried, stir fried. There's pineapple shrimp, lemon shrimp, coconut shrimp, pepper shrimp, shrimp soup. Shrimp stew, shrimp salad, shrimp and potatoes, shrimp burger, shrimp sandwich. That's that's about it. Hey Bubba, it's me, Forrest Gump. I remember everything you said, and I got it all figured out. I'm taking the $24,562.47 that I got for this, this last after well, a new haircut and a new suit. And I took mom out to a real fancy dinner and I bought a bus ticket and three dollars after. Tell me something. Are you stupid or something? Stupid is, stupid does, sir. Putting all that on gas, ropes, and new nets. Brand new shrimp and boat. Now, Bubba told me everything he knew about shrimping, but you know what I found out? Shrimping is tough. Only caught five. A couple of boys could have yourself a cocktail. <laughs> Since people still needed them shrimps and shrimp cocktails and barbecues and all, and we were the only boat left standing. Bubba Gump shrimp's what they got. We got a whole bunch of boats, 12 jennies, big old warehouse. We even have hats that say Bubba Gump on them. Bubba Gump shrimp. It's a household name. Household name. <laughs> shrimp, it's the fruit of the sea, Bubba said. It's the fruit of the sea. And you hear that passion in him, and 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 you know, think of as we said, your coworkers, your neighbors. They, they, God is waiting to endow them when they come and, and invite His Spirit into their hearts. He's got special gifts to endow them with, to mix with the talents He's already given them. 
that to be used to where, you know, in, in that seat would be stir fried shrimp, shrimp, and in that seat would be the coconut shrimp, and in that seat, and, 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 and the meal that our church provides in ministry is, is ex- extravagant for the kingdom. And, and I couldn't help but think about him standing by the, the headstone and thinking, you know, I'm going to be 50 this year, and I got a four year old and a seven year old at home. And unless the Lord comes soon or before that point, they might be standing before my headstone. If everything goes as you expect. I've known parents had to stand in front of their kid their kids' headstones. But what are my kids gonna say, Dad? I really was listening to you. I got my own boat. I'm in the boat, Dad. I'm at the starting line, Dad. I'm in a relationship with God because I picked up your passion. Because I got a lot of learning to do, and sometimes it feels like I got nothing but toilet seats and crap, rocks and you know things like that coming out of my net. But but I'm working at it, Dad. And then you see that abundance that will come in a relationship with Him. What are we passing on to the people that we have influence with? Well. You see in your notes there this, these blanks. And we've been, this transition, introducing this, the vision for us today is, you know, it's been becoming disciples. What are, these, what are the things that are important in becoming disciples? And, and we're going to shift now in our series from becoming to making. And we've already said that, from becoming disciples to making disciples. And, and I think that that's a natural outgrowth. Because if I really am becoming a disciple of Christ, which means I'm becoming more and more like Him, and He, he was a discipler, He made disciples then a natural outgrowth of truly being a disciple is that I am making disciples. It may not be my gifting, but I am influencing people in the race to get into it and to to advance in the race. Because if I'm getting like Him, that's what I'm about. If I'm really His disciple. And, And follow, He calls us to follow Him. But there's a natural result of that that we looked at. Jesus said, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And so if I've been following him, and the longer I've been following him, if I'm not a fisher of men, somewhere, in at least some way, I've not followed him. Because he says, if you do, I will. And Jesus does not lie. If you follow me, I will make you fishers of men. And in the make, he says, in making disciples, in the great commandment, I command you to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. And he said, teaching them all that I have taught you, teaching them to obey all that I've taught you. And so there's that that aspect of we've got to start sharing what we've learned. We get so rich in our knowledge, in our Bible studies, in our Sunday school, in our community groups, and we just want more word. And we're just we, and we keep hungering for the pastor to challenge me spiritually, challenge me with some, you know, really lay some academic scriptural knowledge on me, man. And, and we're just hungry. And it's good that we want to hunger and thirst for that. But it's, it's something that we've got to be getting so we can share it. And there's a way we don't understand it until we start sharing it with others. And their questions start coming back at us. And we have to answer those questions. There's a maturity and an understanding that comes from the proactive teaching of it to others. And then a natural outgrowth of having the Holy Spirit in our life is that we will be His witnesses. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you 
and you will be my witnesses to all these countries and the ends of the earth. We have the Holy Spirit. We are witnessing His work in our lives and able to share that with others. And the reality is, everybody, every one of us is discipling in a way, quote-unquote, somebody. Every one of us has someone that we influence. People we hang out with Friday night, Saturday night. People at work. People at school. Wherever we go. Griffin at elementary school, he has some kids that influence him and he has kids that he influences. And Annabella the same. doesn't matter how old we are. Everybody has someone that we influence and we're teaching them something and, and, and it's coming out of an outgrowth of our life. And so the question is, but into which way? <laughs> See, there's two ways. And the people of the church in the early church were called the people of the way. Christians were known as walking in the way and people of the way. And, and, and so, you know, I'm, I'm leaving footsteps in the sand for my kids. I'm leaving footsteps in the sand for people that see me every day. And they hear what I say in, in good moments of faith, and they see what I do when I'm not so positively motivated in faith. Every one of us has people that are watching, listening, learning, and seeing the footsteps that we actually walk that are left behind us. I've got people from school still that if I, if I haven't seen them in so long, if I said, yeah, I'm, I'm a lead pastor of a church, they go, you? Because they remember certain footsteps in the sand of Point Loma that I was taking. So we all have people that we influence. And this, this is, these principles are, you know, really equated to parenting. Paul calls, the Apostle Paul called a lot of the people that, well, everyone that he reached for the kingdom as his children in the Lord. And, and these apply for our biological children, for our spouse, for our extended family, for, for those that are closest to us. But if we want to lead our children in the way of the Lord, we've got to leave footsteps that are in the way of the Lord that they see. And I care about my kids. I know those of you who have them do. And, and, and so this, this applies not only for spiritual children and growing the kingdom in, in reaching the lost that are out there, but these principles will help us in thinking about how we raise our own kids. Now, if our vision for, for the church is for real church growth, God gave us a model to look at, a very strong model in Scripture. And, and this model will help us, again, see a model of how to have spiritual growth of our children as well. It's, it's the Church of Acts. The Church of Acts is a model for us. It was, it was the prototype designed the way it's meant to go. And we're not going to go into it real deeply, but that New Testament church that just exploded. You see the difference between this and the empty starting blocks? And you may think, well, that's a ridiculous thing. No, the church grew by 3,000 in one day. In the Church of Acts. Wow. Whoa. You know, and, and it doesn't mean we shouldn't rejoice when we have eight, ten new members every year. <laughs> that praise the Lord, everyone is is important and celebrated in heaven as they come into relationship with Him. But but we have this model that that grew by leaps and bounds. And the Church of Acts, really, it's called that. There is no city called Acts. You know, we're the church in Cerritos. We're the Cerritos Church of Nazarene. There's Ontario Church of Nazarene. There's no city called Acts that is this one church that got it right and no one else ever has. Because the reason it's called Acts 
is because simply it's a recording of the acts of the church. How did the church act when, when Christ sent his Holy Spirit and he filled them with their Holy Spirit and they became his witnesses to all the land? And, and, and they, they got it. And they had their passion. They had 3,001 day. They had to delegate ministry to dissipate it so there was enough people feeding people at the tables. And, and, and so there had to be a, a dissipation. They could not just always keep looking to the apostles for everything because the apostles could not do it. In one day, if they blew up into a church, they couldn't minister to everybody. And so there had to be stepping up and appointing of leaders and delegation of ministry. Daily life was going on. Daily they gathered in each other's homes and they were prayerful together and they broke bread together in casual fellowship, spiritual fellowship. We've talked about that in some other settings. And the church became global on the day of Pentecost as well. It wasn't just this thing that we can, oh, it's grown to 3,000. But at Pentecost, there were people from other nations that were there, heard it in their language and took back the, the knowledge of Christ to their countries. It was an, it was an international church. Boom! And so we're going to, you know, the New Testament church. And in that, we want to look at one example, just one example of the many disciples in action. And I think, you know, on Facebook, I said, we're going to learn from the greatest discipler that ever was. I think he was, at least that I know of, besides Jesus, (laughs) besides Jesus. And that would be the Apostle Paul. And Paul's going to, we're going to draw three things from the Apostle Paul today. He modeled for us. Paul, you know, these are going to be little goofy words, okay? I'll just tell you. All three of them are, I made up words or descriptions. Paul was a praying forer. <laughs> That's what he did. He prayed for. He was a praying forer <laughs> for the people in his world, the, the lost, for, for the church. In First Thessalonians, Second Thessalonians, forgive me, one eleven, he says, "We constantly pray for you that God may count you worthy of His calling, and that by His power He may fulfill every good purpose of yours and every act prompted by your faith." Second Thessalonians one eleven, we constantly pray for you, and this prayer is for you to be successful in your faith. That doesn't mean bottom line dollars. Doesn't necessarily mean not. But it doesn't mean it is. It's in good purpose and every act that's prompted by faith. And these prayers, they can range from prayer walks to target prayers. That, you know, we in, when I was in Westchester, we got a big map of the area around the airport, all the neighborhoods around the airport from Marina del Rey, the, the, the barrier that was between us and Marina del Rey, down to the airport south and over to Sepulveda. We had the whole map out area. And we took several Saturdays. People showed up on Saturday. We, we handed out maps and they went and they just walked the sidewalks and just prayed for every home, prayed for whatever was going on. Lord, you know, if that home's about to split apart or not, Lord, you know, if there's kids in there, we don't know. We just pray, God, that your Holy Spirit, we just want to come here and represent you and pray for this. And they'd encounter people that sometimes they'd talk to them and, and they'd say, hey, how can we pray for you? And but they just did prayer walks and they highlighted on the map where they were. And so the next week we got we, they brought those maps back the next week. We handed them back out and people would drive to where they stopped and pick it up and go to where that whole neighborhood was just covered in prayer. And it wasn't shortly after that, long after that, I believe that 9-11 happened. And people came to our church to pray. Now, I don't know, but we just want to be the church. It's not about just building us. It's about building the kingdom. 
And we pray to him, says, Lord, there's a church right here. Move these people to go. Move these people to, and, and move this church to minister. Reach out to them. Lord, just work. Just work. Here's a church right here. It was just praying for the goodness of people, for God's kingdom in their life. Or it could be targeted prayers. I don't, I don't, I feel challenged. And my kids don't necessarily have this. We pray every night. Amy and I pray for the kids at night. We go and pray together with them if, if it's at all possible. And, and I, I take them to school a lot in the morning as Amy has Annabella and I, I get Griffin to school while she's getting Annabella ready. Then I bring Annabella in because she's here and that helps I get to the office and, and, and unless I have prayer time in the morning and then she takes them. But, but I, we have the privilege. I pray for my kids coming to school. I pray for them at night. I pray for them in the morning. We pray a lot. But I think we're missing something that a generation this church has done. My dad used to see his grandma every day kneeling at her bed. And if he paused at all, he would hear his name with tears and, and emotion praying for him. His, his dad was in the war and grandma had to work. And so his grandma did a lot of the raising of him. And he would see her, he would see her on her knees at the same spot praying and just hear the, the, the unction in her voice for God to reach little Johnny. My dad had that model. And, you know, for the church, there was, there was a time in the Rose Parade. We all are familiar with that in this area. Uh, and you've, how many of you have ever watched it and you've seen a, a float stall? And, you know, that's a little bit of a hiccup in the production when a float stalls. And there was one year where this large float stalled and would not get running. They tried everything they could. They checked... They, they were checking like crazy, frantically and all. And after they looked all over the place, they realized it had run out of gas. You could do all the mechanics. Everything could be in the right place. Everything could be connected. There was no gas. And the irony of it was, it was the Standard Oil Company float. <laughs> but folks, that's funny, but evangelism is the church's float. And like Standard Oil Company should never run out of gas. The church should never run out of power. And prayer is where that power comes from. Corporately and individually. In what you're wanting to see God do in the lives of people. Because as we talk about making disciples, and we have responsibility in that, and we model that, it's not our job to convict them and do the work in their heart. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. That's His job, to convict them. We are working to be a model that He can use in front of them to do that work. So we can't do it without Him. And many times we're out there trying to do it without praying for people or praying for God to help us be what we need to be. All the above. And so prayer is essential. And Paul was a praying for her. Paul modeled for us then that he was a passer honor. <laughs> He was a passer honor. 1 Corinthians 15.3 says, For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. And he goes on to talk about the gospel. Christ coming, dying, being buried, risen again. What I received, I passed on to you. In Titus 1.4, he's writing to him, says, Oh, to Titus, my true son in our common faith. 
someone that he had helped and, and seen the Lord birth life in him. But he was like the midwife. <laughs> Paul as a midwife sounds funny, but... Um, so here's this passing on or parenting aspect that, that us, we, we really need to see people that need to be born again. That we have an aspect to encourage. We have an opportunity and a responsibility to encourage that process and, and help bring them into an environment where the Holy Spirit can work on their heart and birth new life in them. It is the Spirit's work. But He wants us to, to pass on what we know. First Timothy 1, 1-2 says Paul to Timothy, my true son in the faith. And then he goes on with instructions. And, and Timothy's now this young elder. That's where he says, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young, but set an example because you're a leader now. So it wasn't just this you know, catch and release. It was catch and nurture and, 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 and then release and, and seeing a maturity in their own point of service that they have become disciplers themselves. That's the full cycle. That's like seeing your, your child that, that gets their own job, has, gets their own family and moves out of the house and has their own life independently. They're still made up of you. You know, well, in discipling, we haven't really discipled someone completely until they are serving and ministering and discipling others because that's a part of being a disciple of Christ. And so this, he passed on what he knew to them. And in Timothy, a couple of aspects, you have some other blanks next to these other verses. First Timothy, second Timothy, one thirteen. what you heard from me, keep as the pattern of sound teaching. So there's a spoken word, a teaching. And that blank for us that you see there, put the word mentor there, mentor. That's one of the ways we pass on is through verbal that, that here's, boy, I struggled with that. And here's what the Lord showed me in His Word. And, and you need to know that here's what His Word says about what you're thinking. Let's get together. Let's talk. Oh, man, He goes, you know, I, I understand how that seems like a logical thing, but here's what God's Word says about that. And so this teaching, mentoring, helping them come to mental grasp of, of the truth as, as we have learned it, we're passing that on, and that, has, that means you have to get close to each other. That happens a lot in some community groups where people have been together for a long time and built those relationships. Uh, it, it happens when you find someone that God asks you to target and that you're building relationships for this intent. And if we're going to mentor and learn, we need to be learning ourselves, ever learning, because the best things to pass on, oh man, God just showed me something new. What is it? Let me tell you. I used to think this. Remember how I told you this a couple weeks ago? Well, this is what God just told me about it. Wow. And, and there's this growing and mentoring together. And then in 2 Timothy 3.14, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you learned it. So there was speaking, but now you see this knowledge from observing, from being close and putting that blank model. Can you see how these will? Uh, can you see how these would be important in parenting, biological children? That if we're teaching them one thing, you know, we can go to some of the easy targets. Son, it's not good for you to drink. But of course, I'm a fish when I get home at night. You know, son, it's not good for you to use bad language. But when I get mad, you hear it fly out of my mouth. You know, the the, the teaching, the verbal, needs to have with it a consistent model of observation. In front of it. And he says, continue in it. You become convinced of it because you know who you've learned it from. You've seen what we have said that we are putting it in our life. 
He doesn't say that we've been perfect in it, but how he's responded in those has modeled for others. That's how we pass on. We can't just regurgitate knowledge and hope our kids get that. That's not bringing them up in the way they should go. Those footsteps are what's bringing them up in the way they should go. What are my footsteps for my kids? What are my footsteps around my coworkers, my loved ones? Anyone I know that needs the Lord. You know, in Monterey, a while back, um, they had a lot of pelicans. Makes sense. Near the ocean. And, and I don't know how many of you have been deep sea fishing and you've seen this, but when, when you catch the fish and, and, the, and the boat's coming in from a half day trip or a full day trip and the crew's sitting there on the back of the boat on this table with fillet knives and pulling out guts and throwing them up in the air and seagulls are flying behind the boat and catching them in the air or diving to get them and you just got this, you can tell when a boat's coming in because there's this cloud of seagulls behind them. If you like Nemo, mine, 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 mine. If you've seen, say, you know, sorry, I have small children at home. So if you haven't seen um, Finding Nemo, that's okay. Anyhow, um, well, this is what the pelicans were doing. When the boats would come in, they cleaning so many fish and just throwing the guts out. And the pelicans were just gorging themselves. And it was a long period of time that this was going on. Well, as industries tend to do, they start finding ways of making more money, realizing fish guts can be used for fertilizer. Fish guts are great for, you know. This is not Michelle's favorite part of the message right here. But, but fish guts, fish guts, can, we, can, we can sell this stuff and make even more money. We're throwing money out to the pelicans. And so pretty soon the pelicans are all hanging around going, mine, 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 mine. Where is it? And they started starving to death. Because it had been so long, generations, they learned that's how they get their food. And it wasn't coming from there. They were getting skinny. They were dying. They were starving to death. And they had to go and find another colony of pelicans, import them in, so that they could start hunting and diving and catching their own fish to where the, 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 new pel- or the old pelicans were like, oh, there's more. And learn how to, how to stand on their own two feet. And, and in many ways, that's happened in the American church. I'm just sitting here waiting for my next meal, Pastor. Well, that one really wasn't for me. I'm going home kind of hungry. You know, there's been a few of those that really weren't for me. I might go to another place that I think the meals are a little better for me. And we have church flight happening like crazy. A lot of church growth that some churches are reporting is transfer growth from other churches because they've got better bells and whistles. They've got a better salad bar. They've got better donuts. I don't know. Not to insult our donut buyers. You're doing great. But when we're just depending on this once a week for that meal, we're going to get gaunt and weak. And, and discipling myself, becoming a disciple, and helping someone else is to me to be that pelican that shows them how to get into God's Word themselves and use the context of the church when they come together to say, I was reading this, I don't get it. Do any of you understand this better? And, and, and we start, yes, we encourage and we help that process. But, but we're not starving to death. And the American church in many ways is. 2 Timothy 2.2 2, The things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, listen to this, entrust to reliable men who will also be qualified to teach others. There's that step. The pastor honor 
that he's passed on to Timothy. Timothy, I've taught you these things. Stay with them. You've known me, but now it is your turn to be that for someone else and release them into their ministry. Make them disciples and disciplers. Help people become qualified to teach others. And he's speaking of specific leadership in the church, so it sounds like a closed group, but really this is a discipleship principle for all of us. And so it may sound kind of mean, but Paul models for us moving from um, a praying for and a pastor honor to what sounds mean in a pusher outer. <laughs> a pusher outer. Not a pusher, don't stop there, that sounds like a drug dealer. But a pusher outer. Titus 1.5, he says, The reason I left you in Crete was that you might straighten out what was left unfinished and appoint elders in every town. And I think Paul is going, I know you wanted me to stick with you. I've been your teacher. I've been your trainer. But it's time that you, I believe in you and you can straighten this out. And it's your deal now. The nest, the nest has left you. <laughs> um, and, and, and you need to fly. And you can. It's time. Philemon 10.12, Onesimus, who became my son while I was in chains. It, it, it's Philemon verses 10 through 12. I'm sorry, verses 10 through 12. There's no chapter. Uh, in that he says, he has become useful both to you and to me. I am sending him, who is my very heart, back to you. So yeah, there's this hurt, there's this longing in Paul's heart. I've built this relationship with him. He's my son in the Lord. I've taught him these things and I've been seeing him fly. He is my very heart. But it's not about me and keeping this warm, cozy group of friends around me. It's about the kingdom and sending them to do what God trained them to do through me. And he's my very heart. And with the ache in my heart, I send him to you. And many times, you know, that, that heart is what helps us not become cliquish in our community groups, in our small groups, in our Sunday school classes, where we start seeing that there's other people that need to be connected. There's other wishes and desires of being in God's Word around specific topics or books. And, and, and oh, we've been in this great cozy group and we hate to leave it. And so that's not. And then, of course, people die. People move away with jobs. People, and the group goes away. And, and the heart of us in, in the fellowship is that, yes, we, God wants us to build relationships so that it breaks our heart when we send them somewhere else to do the work God's called them to do. Those relationships are necessary to get them to that point. It'd be like seeing my son drive off to school for the first time. It'd be like dancing with my, my girl at her wedding. I think that's okay in Nazarene standards. And handing her off to some guy that hopefully God's brought into her life. Oh, it's going to ache. But I'm not raising her to stay at home. I'm raising her to be a woman of God, finding her place. Same with my son. And this is what we must do with those that we disciple. We're parenting spiritual children and our biological children. Are they ready to be out of the nest? That's what we're getting them to be on their own, to be their own disciple, because they are going to stand and give an account to God on the same day I have to stand and give an account to God. And they're going to give an account not for what I did or how lovely the home environment was that they never wanted to leave. They're going to give an account for what they did out of their own unction and what am I doing to stir that unction in them. And so the vision, we, we need to be praying for us. We need to be praying for people 
people that you know who don't know the Lord. We need to be praying for them because the Holy Spirit is wooing. Romans says that they can see his divine qualities in creation. So we've got everything around us that we just pray for them, intercede for them. And, and maybe we can't be at the foot of our bed and they don't see it, but we can be there when they don't see it. And we can be there in our cubicle when we hear them get on the phone. We hear them arguing with their wife on the phone across the partition in the office. Oh, Lord, God, help be with them just in this brokenness right now, Father. Just let your spirit press upon. There's something better. There's some source of help. Father, let and anything I can do or say to help, give me opportunity and give me courage when it comes. Are we praying for people like this? And so the vision for our church today is we can't be the church of Acts. We don't live in a city called Acts. Well, they didn't either. But if it was just simply a recording of the Acts of the church, our vision is that the Acts of the church in the church of Acts are the acts of the church today. <laughs> what would someone write about the acts of Crossroads Multinational Church in recording that people would look back on? And the acts of that, that we're going to walk through in these next several weeks, we're going to take two of those letters a week, is DISCIPLE. And an acronym for DISCIPLE, it's Develop Intentional Relationships, Identify, you don't, I think, I don't know if these are written, you don't need to write them down. We're going to go through these, you'll get them good. But develop intentional relationships, identify spiritual understanding levels, supply a support system, contact regarding spiritual progress and needs, incorporate into life and ministry of the church, pray daily for spiritual growth, look for spiritual gifts, and enlist in ministry. Get them going. You see that, that, that connection? Develop intentional relationships. Get to know them, identify their spiritual understanding, help supply a support system, and you'll be a part of it as much as necessary, but wean them off of you as much as is ready, and, but stay in touch and, and help and, and get them involved, and then pray daily for that growth, that while they're involved, listen and look for spiritual gifts, because sometimes people need to say, you know what you do when, when, you know, I need you to know that I see the spiritual gift of encouragement. You may not know it because that's, that's you. You're just used to doing it. You don't know that what you're doing is a spiritual gift, but you have the gift of encouragement. That's a gift? Yeah. And the church needs encouragers. And so you look for those and then you, and you help enlist them and find a way for that gifting that has helped them identify to get serving in ministry where they are discipling and modeling and mentoring others through their life. And that's we'll hit D&I next week. Now I have homework for you and we're actually going to start it today. Don't you love that? You thought you were done with homework? Some of you, 80 years ago, thought you were done with homework. I'm going to ask all of us, and we're going to give you a tool later on to put this down for yourself. But I want to ask you to start praying, God, give me at least five names. But, but I ask you to make five names very prominent to me, God. You know where you are in the work with these people, Heavenly Father. I know a lot of people that don't know you. For some, it may be a struggle that we're in such a Christian world. We don't know that many non-believers and we're like, Lord. And it might have to be the person you see at Starbucks drive through every morning. How do you start trying to be salt and light to someone you see every morning that you usually don't get to know more than thank you very much. Good to see you. Sun's out today. Yeah, hmm, great. You know. But and for some, it's going to be I know so many and God might say. There's there's some that I know are ready for you to start being intentional. So ask, start praying this week. 
for God to lay five people on your heart. That as we're learning this process, that while we're learning, we're praying. We're not running out of fuel as the standard oil float. (laughs) And the worship team is going to come and I'm going to ask us to start this homework now. You may or may not have five names. You may, I would imagine everybody has at least one quick one that you really care about that you know does not know the Lord. It may be a son or a daughter or a parent or a sibling or co, you know, whatever. But they're going to sing this song, Oh, How He Loves You and Me. He gave His life. What more could He give? And He loves that person that's on your heart and on your mind right now. If you're here and you don't know the Lord, you haven't given your heart to Him. He loves you. He gave His life for you. What more can He give? And He's got you here now to hear this and, and call you to receive His work Ask Him to forgive you of your sins and become a follower of His. And He will start this beautiful process that we've been talking about. But today as we're calling us to go through this disciple... Well, you know, we need to take a moment and pray. I want. Is there anybody here? Let's close our eyes and bow our heads. Is there anyone here that needs to receive that work for yourself today? You say, you know what? I've not been a follower. I've not been a disciple. And I, I, I need you to pray for me, Pastor. Help me to confess my sins, ask me to forgive me and to receive that forgiveness and then walk forward in gratitude and honor of that forgiveness. Is there anyone here that wants that today? God is here to say, I gave my life for you. I shed my own blood for you. It's all done. You asking me to forgive you doesn't put me to the cross again to make it happen. I did it, and I did it so I can forgive you. Is there anyone here? Will you raise your hand up and let me just pray for you? just want to ask. Usually in church services, there's not that many because it's people who wanted to be here. Anyone? Anyone? All right. Now what I want to ask is while we're singing this, will you, will we, these altars are not only for sinners coming to grace, but these altars are places of prayer and bringing people to the altar. And I want to ask that we, you, bring to the altar today that we can corporately pray together. I won't know the names on your mind and heart, but God does. And we as a church family can come in a sense of togetherness to the source of fuel for our float and start praying for the people on your heart and mind that don't know the Lord. And we're going to start with that today. So while we're singing, will you come? Gather around these altars. We need to move these to have room all around them. Let's start singing and come.